What's up, traders? Anthony Credelli here, and thank you for tuning in to the first Futures Radio Show podcast of 2022. If you're joining us here on YouTube for the live stream, please click the like button and never miss a live stream by clicking the subscribe button right here on YouTube. Recently, Jared Tendler and Morad Askar from Convergent Trading, myself and several others distributed and participated in a survey by Jared Tendler. And in that survey, the issues that traders struggle with the most were fear, lacking confidence and greed, all things we can relate to as traders. In today's show, Morad Askar, otherwise known as Futures Trader 71 from Convergent Trading and Jared Tendler, author of one of my favorite trading books, The Mental Game of Trading, join me to discuss the roles of fear, greed, lacking confidence, and more. We will be taking your questions live only in YouTube. So if you're watching us on Twitter, hop over to YouTube and we'll be taking your questions there in the YouTube chat. Before I get Morad and Jared in here, I want to remind all of you that Micro Ether Futures are live at CME Group. They are one-tenth the size of one ETH. To learn more, go to cmegroup.com. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group, Trading Technologies, TradeStation, and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol RTY and micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. Futures Trader 71's in the house. Hey, thanks for having me on. What's going on? Before we get Jared in here, I want to do a little bit of uh, market talk with you about the first day of the year. Um, something that I think is, I really look at it as the most important day, I don't know, kind of, where I look at it and I always like to box out the high of the year, the low of the year, and the opening. Almost like like what maybe an initial balance you would look at for a day. And I look at that and recently, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what markets you, you've been actively trading. We'll talk a little bit about that. I got a little setup where we're getting some action here in the NASDAQ below my opening day low, opening range. Uh, and I'm actually getting, a, I'm short a little NASDAQ here. <laughs> nice. And I took one this morning and I think I was filled 30 points. It was a short, I was filled, I think 30 points down uh in about six seconds and then my stop got triggered about 20 points from my entry about three seconds later so i was i was commenting that that's a machine-based product it's like no longer human <laughs> you know i I'm, I'm in a swing position and i'm actually going to be using micros for a lot of this position and i always tell everybody where am i wrong before i'm right if i get back above opening range or the 10-day moving average then i'll stop looking at a swing short here. I don't have a target because I know people are probably going to start asking questions like that. I'll actually trail this one the whole way. But this first day of the year is, do you look at it as an important day like I do or, or no? I don't. I, I, I don't look at the day because I feel like um, the first day of the year, it's almost like the I see why you're doing it. It's almost like the market on open orders. You know, it's yeah. like that first opening range that PAX and others talk about. Yeah. I look at the week. I'm looking for what did it do? What did it accomplish in that first week? Because a lot of desks may not take positions, um, you know, right at the beginning, right on the first day of the year. Uh, and, and the first day of the year, actually, in the S&Ps, you know, it opened, it tested way down, then it finished pretty strong. But I feel like that's 
almost like looking at the first five minute bar of a session. I, I, I'd like to see the week and there's 52 of them in the year and just having that one week describing the, re the next 52 is helpful. It is like the initial balance for me to look at that first week. But, you know, it's potatoes, potatoes, you know, it all works. If you stay consistent with it, it all works, right? Yeah, exactly. And one last thing before we bring on Jared and get into to the heart of this conversation today, the micros. I, I really have become a user of the micros more and more, especially since I'm more of a swing trader now than an intraday trader with the E-mini NASDAQ. Like I've been using some of the uh, the E-mini NASDAQ and some of the micros because I don't want to be super price sensitive. Like you said, this thing moves so much that the micros, especially for the NASDAQ, um, have become such a huge part of my trading. Has it been like that with you as well or no? Yeah, I you know, uh, especially during the super high volatility. I mean, this yeah. thing, this thing has a harmonic rotation on a one minute basis, like swings on a statistical basis. I run a lot of statistics, as you already know. It has a harmonic rotation of like 65 points, like it could swing yeah. 65 points. And that would still be normal for the NASDAQ within a one minute bar range on a swing high and swing low basis. You know, trading that on a twenty dollar point um, is is pretty expensive. That's a lot of coverage. I mean, this thing's more volatile than the DAX now, and oh, that yeah. used to be the most volatile product in the world. Uh, so I think going to the MNQ uh, makes a lot of sense because you can put on the size uh, and still manage the trade without feeling so much heat, without needing to deposit you know one hundred fifty grand to keep your risk within a reasonable parameter. So I, I hear you on that. I'm a huge fan, as you know, been pushing for those micros since 2012. Yes. Um, and, and, and that's across the board, uh, be it uh, MNQ, M2, M2K for the, uh, for the Russell or MYM for the Dow. Like just, if you're, if you're trading and if your account's less than 25 grand or so, please trade the micros. You know, it's, it's well worth it. Uh, to do so. And I think it's a huge asset that CME has put out there for us. Yeah. And I look at even like myself who I can trade, you know, big NASDAQ and big and all the other contracts, you know, and uh, I still like the micros because like I said, specifically for the NASDAQ, I really don't use them for the S&P as much because I'm not as price sensitive and you could still get as big as you want, you know, and I'm me building a swing position in the NASDAQ, trying to do that in just the, the bigger contract is just more difficult. The only time I'll use the bigs, um, the bigs, which is not was the mini, is when we get really close to like my my risk price, and I'm like, okay, I just work you know a big contract there, I'll step in there. But when we're in areas where I'm like, I want to add here, I like it, and I'm a little busybody, then I like to start stepping in with the micros, and it just helps me burn some of that, you know, that that clicking energy that I want to do because I like the area. But if I was in the other NASDAQ, I'd be going, you know what, I really have to wait. And sometimes these moves, as you know, more, they start getting going. It's like they may not come back, you know? So it's, that's why I like the micros gives me the flexibility with my range of execution on it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I, I think that people, no matter how much money they have, they, they, they should still look at them as, as a good product, um, to use. So, you know, just a sidebar, uh, the NASDAQ specifically, I wrote to Tim, uh, Tim McCourt, McCourt. Uh, from CME, he's the head of product development. I wrote to him and I said, listen, one of your mandates is an orderly market. I don't think the NASDAQ's an orderly market anymore. Let's get rid of the ticks and just trade points, you know, just so I can keep 
so I can see it on my DOM. It's just like flying all over the place. I would love for them to just eliminate the four ticks per point and just go to points and everybody trades the micros and we're done with it. You know, that would be great. You know, it's so funny you say that because I reduce my um, dome to where I don't see the ticks. Yeah. Because I don't want to in the NASDAQ. I think it makes me too busy. But you and I could talk about this all day. Absolutely. And let's bring in our friend Jared. Jared, what's oh, up, buddy? What's up, guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. I want to plug this before we get into talking today. The three of us are going to be on a panel in Vegas on February 26th. That's right, everybody. Live stuff's happening again. Hard to believe it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Very it's nice. Yeah. So the three of us are going to be at the money show. So if you guys are going to be in Vegas, be sure to check us out. Now, Jared, I mentioned in the intro, and even when I talked with you on the live stream last year, your book, I don't read a ton of trading books. You know, I, I tell people a lot about this. I don't read a ton of them. I, you know, I like the psychology books definitely more at this phase in my career. Your book, I thought was great um, because it really put some actionable ideas behind some of the things I know I needed to get better at. And I really love that you put together this, um, you, you put together where, um, I'll actually, I'll let you explain it. The Me, Morad, all of us, the survey on trading psychology. Talk to everybody about that because that's kind of what's leading into today's conversation. Yeah, thanks, Ellie. Um, so, I mean, the survey really was a chance for me to try to get a better sense of how everybody, how the traders thought about um, psychology and emotions. And, you know, I made a bunch of assumptions before I wrote the book based on my experience, right? I've been working with traders for eight years, both institutionally and, you know, individual and retail traders, but I didn't have like kind of a broad scope and now having a platform with the book and, you know, getting to meet you guys, um, I wanted to get more industry-based research. It wasn't just about me. It was about what, what, what can we as an industry learn about traders so that we can, you know, provide tools and resources that can continue to enhance their development. And so we had an amazing turnout. I mean, you guys were a big part of that. Several other partners released it to their communities. And, you know, in some total, we got 1,200 responses, um, which my PR agent told me was remarkable. She was shocked as the numbers kept ticking up. Because if you go on and, and look at, you know, uh, research that's presented or surveys that are presented on TV, even on CNBC, very often the sample size is 250, 300, 500. So to get 1,200 is, is quite remarkable. And so I feel like we got a great cross-section of traders from around the world, men, women, uh, varying ages, varying experience levels. And what was really cool is that the results were very consistent across all demographics. There were some slight differences, but by and large, 95, 96% of traders know that psychology is valuable. They can see and recognize their emotions in real time but only 34% have a system and a strategy for being able to actually deal with those emotions. And, and so for me, that, that was kind of the big takeaway um, and, and understanding that kind of disconnect that still exists within the trading psychology market. Um, and I don't think it's by any means denigrating uh, you know, the, the, the field. Cause I think if you were to take that data and apply it to any other profession, there's no chance that 95 or 96% of people in finance, traditional finance, um, in in banking, in uh, uh, you know uh, sales, understands psychology as much as traders do, right? So I think it's it's a remarkable achievement to have gotten to this point. But now we got to figure out how to 
you know, kind of close that gap and, and get more people to have more traders to have, you know, a system that they can reasonably manage, you know, the stuff that they deal with on a day to day basis. No, exactly. And you mentioned that it's amazing how traders all have things that they implement in their strategy to get better at trading market conditions, but they don't have things implemented in place, actionable things to help them get better at trading psychology. Morad, what were your thoughts on that survey and how it ended up being fear as the number one thing that traders were talking about? I, I was very excited about the survey uh, when it came across and, uh, and definitely wanted to push it out to our members at Convergent. And the results actually were not surprising. Uh, fear, you know, we do these trade talks on a weekly basis uh, at Convergent, and I've done uh, mindset tune-ups, we call them, we do them once a month. We're going to have Jared on on the 20th for one of these on a public event. We'd love to have you join that. We'll push that out. But to me, you know, out of 1,273 responses, outstanding, uh, fear being at the top is no shock because every time somebody comes on and talks uh, talks about their trading issues, the the core, the thing you can pin right away is fear, is these actions that people take almost like a knee-jerk reaction as a result of fear. And they're, you know, I, I've prepared you know, whenever you want to go through it, I've prepared like some, some really, some five, five things that I've identified over the last, since I started my prop shop in 2003, uh, that keep five items that keep showing up that just are, um, emblematic of this issue. Uh, and, and Jared addresses, uh, addresses one of them very, very effectively, but we could talk about that when you're ready. What I'd like to do is, first off, have the three of us talk about defining fear. And I think that this is important because when I look at my career as a trader, I think that the way I look at fear might be differently than someone else. Um, because from my perspective, when I look at fear, I was never scared to trade. I think the one thing that really drove me when it comes to fear was when I was out of the marketplace, when I took myself out because I was <laughs> a bad risk manager and just, you know, a bad trader was that the fear that I was unable to be the trader I wanted to be. I was unable to participate in the market. And so I actually took that fear of not being able to be a trader and use that and kept that close to me to, to not let that happen to me again along with a lot of other things that I did as a trader that made me sick to my stomach, that made me pissed off and whatever it was. And I would go back to, I was fearful of being, uh, feeling that way again. So a lot of what I took and from fear was not fear to click the button. It was fear of not being able to click the button. And that's, that's like, a. I mean, I think it's like a healthy thing to have. I mean, because the opposite would be the overconfidence and just making assumptions about your capacity, your edge, and that's far more dangerous. So, yeah, I mean, look, fear gets a bad rap at times because people think that it's negative to have it. Exactly. But, you know, if you haven't proven yourself, uh, if you haven't reached the levels that you want and you're fearful that you're uh, you know, going to get there, that you will get there, like that doesn't have to be a problem. And we, when we look at performance, 
right? The number one thing that you need on a day-to-day -day basis is enough energy to power your mind to make the right decisions. Fear can be a driver. Anger can be a driver. Greed can be a driver, right? We're not saying that any of these emotions are problems, right? They're problems when they cross a line and they actually start to shut down your ability to think clearly and make the decisions that you know are correct or to do the things away from market hours to prepare yourself well, to back test, to research, to have conversations. If it's taking you away from doing those activities, then then it's a problem. But the emotions in and of themselves are not are not a problem. It's certainly not for you. Maura, what do you think about all this? So uh, to me, emotions are are so misunderstood. I, emotions are just a signal. It's a and fear is something that has caused our our forefathers to survive long enough for us to be <laughs> streaming right now. Because if they were not fearful enough, they would have been eaten or killed or whatever, fallen off a cliff or whatever they did. Fear is an important thing. It's an indication. Look, I've been trading for now 22 years. I still feel fear. But the important part is understanding our being aware, I think is a huge piece and understanding how your process is, your mental process is. Jared calls that mapping and, and knowing that it's there and I don't have to act on it. You know, just because somebody said something that upset me doesn't mean I should throw a punch every time. I can still take it in and still do the right thing. The thing that is it, that is in my, own best self-interest, as uh, Dr. Menneker says, you know, I still have to act in a way that uh, gets me the results that I need. And the thing that that keeps me in check, keeps me in my lane is my process. Uh, and that's the first piece. Uh, Jared talked about uh, getting to the point of having that confidence or getting to the level of trading where you don't have this fear and nobody gets to that level, in my opinion. And heck, I back to some 20, some odd 26 traders and have seen a lot of people go through this trading learning process. Unless you sit down and figure out a process and do it right and repeatedly, you just don't get to the point where you're trusting yourself and trusting the process enough that fear is there. It's cool. I can just have it sit here on my desk, but I don't have to act on it. And a lot of people instinctively act on the fear. I'll close the trade. Oh, God, thank God that trade is done with. And then rip, it goes to your target. Um, and then that brings on fall on effects, you know, of not trusting yourself, of uh, sab feeling like you sabotage yourself and things like that. So um, fear has its place. Uh, greed has its place. It's just understand that these are just signals. They're like a, a moving average crossover. I don't have to act on it. I can see that it's there. I don't have to act on it. It's not part of my plan. Neither is my PL. You know, it's not part of my plan. I just need to trade what's in front of me, the market. Jared, I want to go back to you. When you saw that fear was the number one thing, what did you think? people referring were referring to when they said that that was the number one issue. Yeah. I mean, I think, so when I was really kind of understanding the trading market prior to writing the book, which was very similar to what I did with poker, um, poker and trading are very, very different, right? In poker, it was all about anger in, in trading. I think fear dominates because there's such a large misperception of the competitive environment. 
And, and because the barriers to entry for a retail individual trader is basically the capital that you need to load into account, download some software and you're, you're in, right? You're playing a PGA tour event, you're playing in the NFL. Yeah. And, and so yes, many traders come from competitive backgrounds. Many of them are very competitive themselves, but I think they grossly misunderstand the, the intensity of the environment, right? It, it should provoke some degree of anxiety, much like teeing up on the first tee of a, of a PGA tour event, going into an NFL game, right? Every one of those athletes feels intensity, feels pressure, feels nerves. And if you don't feel that, right, that's usually an indication to them that it's time to, 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 to give up, right. To, to retire because the game is just not providing that, that love anymore. Like they, they love that intensity. That's a big part of what fuels them. And I think a lot of traders just, misinterpret the signal as fear as something to be uh you know kind of back off on versus something to to be aggressive about and to love the fact that they feel that intensity but to understand how to gain command of it is a whole other thing but again i think the, the coding of something as fear i think is is represented in these statistics right right 43 percent of traders say fear is the number one issue but i think if it was correct, I'd say it probably is closer to being on par with other issues as the number one, if we remove intensity and, and the nervousness that is just sort of inherent in the game as being a factor in their own perception of that fear. Morad, you talked about the five things that you were, that you were, you wanted to discuss about dealing with fear, right? You and I are all about actionable stuff. Jared is as well. Talk to us about that. So um, I want to remind everyone uh, that, you know, take this with a grain of salt. Derivatives trading is not suitable for all investors. So what I'm going to tell you here, you need to do your own homework before undertaking it. But the, the, the five key elements from a trading perspective, and Jared is the expert on the mindset and the psychology part of it. But the, the, key, the key piece is not not knowing our process and plan well, uh, basically not investing enough time and writing down what we need to look at, uh, what our setups are, and and you know it's 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 like giving a speech. If I know the material so well, I don't need any prep. Jared didn't need any prep. He just showed up. But if it's material that you're kind of figuring out. You're going to be very nervous to the point where you get get on the podium and you're relying very heavily on those slides or whatever you want to get to the point where you're just it's boring man talking about your trading plan is so boring it's like it's just a trading plan so that's that's an important part the number one piece is just not knowing your process uh, which takes away from confidence the second piece is not knowing or trusting ourselves that's where the mapping process comes in that's where uh, emotional, being emotionally centered comes in. All of my traders had to learn to meditate. They learned tra transcendental meditation. It brings you back and allows you to kind of have the emotion and watch it pass by without actually taking action on it. Being centered is a huge piece. Um, just don't get perturbed. So trusting ourselves is, is a very important piece. Um, the third one is not accepting that there's just no way to avoid losses. I mean, I can't tell you how many people go out there and they try to figure out why you took the trade there and try to replicate the pieces because they believe the more you study and the more you 
um, just kind of buy stuff and read stuff, the more likely you are to just somehow eliminate those losses. The market is a random machine. It's got trends, just like people are random. Uh, the market is a random machine, so you've got to trust the fact that you cannot avoid losses. So if I know that I'm going to take losses and I can't avoid them, my job then becomes defining what my risk is and just taking the loss. Just take the loss, right? Don't don't hang on to these trades as if you know it's a it's a long term relationship. It's it's take the loss. So not accepting that there's no way to avoid losses and not accepting the randomness that's built into the market. And you and I have talked over the years about the fact that every trade has a 50 50 outcome. I don't care if you are the God of trading himself, the next trades outcome is unknowable, even if your system says you're 99% winning well, you don't know within that 99% where that 1% is so it, the outcome's unknowable if the outcome's unknowable then my job is to simply follow my plan and trust that my plan is going to over time yield the results i'm going to swing at the ball every time it's in the zone i can't tell you if i'm going to hit it or not but when i do hit it I, it's going to be a good run, you know. So that's the third part: not trusting the randomness and the fact that we don't, uh, we can't avoid uh, losses. The fourth is, um, the fourth big one is the the belief that they're out to get me. The they of the market. You and I have heard this. The I'm sure the <laughs> they of the market. Um, you know, they saw my stops, you know, somebody's, there's a camera in my office. They know it's my broker. You know, he sees my stops and he, there is no, they, you are not a victim. You are a, an active participant in the market. You're choosing where to get in or out. Uh, it is not like gambling. It is not like, uh, poker or whatever, because in poker, you know, you get the five cards and everybody shows theirs and it's done. That round is done. In trading, you'll hold on to that trade until you take, you have to take yourself out before your broker does uh, because you're going debit. So you have to be much more proactive. So don't be a victim. This is, everybody has an equal chance on the next trade. Everybody from uh, Paul Tudor Jones to the guy who just started, you, you all have a 50-50 chance on this particular trade. The fifth element is a tough one, is attachment to money. I put in, I, I slapped together the $1,500 and now I'm trading a micro contract and I cannot afford to lose this money. And so now I'm watching my P&L and I'm fixating on avoiding that loss. And as long as I'm fixating on avoiding the loss, all my eyes and my brain can process is the possibility of that loss. And then we get this confirmation bias of, see, I told you, you, you know, you, you know, you want to win, just fade what I do. Just take the opposite trade like this. You get into this terrible thing and that's, that's the attachment to money. Don't show your PL on the screen. The PL has nothing to do with your process and plan. You're trading the market. You're, we're not in the business of trading futures on PL. We're trading futures on crude, gold, SP, NASDAQ, whatever. So keep your PL out of it. Have your risk limits in place so you can trust that once you're wrong, and you will have days where you're completely wrong and you're going to hit your limit. Once you're wrong, you get taken out by your broker and you're done. Those are the five pieces. 
uh, that I think are the, at the core of fear. Fear will never depart. It'll always be there. It's a healthy thing to have, in my opinion. I completely agree. It's a healthy thing to have. And this is why I like having these conversations with you guys, because you guys challenge me to think really differently than the way that I look at, for example, today we're talking about fear. I just want to quickly go over the five things. Um, not knowing your process, not trusting yourself, not accepting losses, accept, not accepting losses, not accepting the randomness of it. The they, this is, that's always funny to me. And the, uh, the attachment to money. Um, Jared, I want to go, you and I will go back and, and talk about some of these things with more. The, the one thing I think that the they part I want to talk about a little bit is it's, you know, for me from somebody who was, I stood in the pit and I remember just being in there around everybody that's making money. And, and it's like, I, I would see all the traders with their hands up at once. And then a lot of them times they'd, they'd all go down at once. And you're sitting there going, you know, how do I get in the flow of what's happening there? I didn't think about the they, but it was always like, all of a sudden, how are we moving this way? You know, and, and, and it was able, it was so different when you could see everybody doing it. And it, it just made me just recognize how much when people talk about follow price, right? And how much traders are reactive to price that in the computer world, the quickness of the computers, the machines, we talked about this earlier with the NASDAQ, Morad. It's like when all of a sudden you see something or Jared sees something and I, we all see it together. You think you're the only one that sees that? You know how many times I feel to this day, it's like you're, you're sitting there going, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it's funny. The other day, even when I first started the NASDAQ short, I hit the bid. It's like the minute I hit it, it's like it took off. Like they waited for me to finally get it. And I'm just like, this is unbelievable. You know, or you work a bid or you work something there and it stops right in front of you. And you go, how in all of the prices that traded is this possible? It's because what you are seeing and this is like, I think one of the, the best things about coming from the floor was, was that the minute I'd see one trader or some, someone do something, you'd almost see them all start to doing it. Why is that? Well, because they're reacting to price, right? So I just, to talk about the they, Jared, I want to hear what you think of a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that that's fantastic perspective, right? You're bringing, you're bringing the humanity into what you're seeing on a screen and why people can get the kind of boogeyman type, you know, uh, false perceptions. And the funny thing is when Moira was saying, I was laughing because I've heard this for years with poker players also, and with golfers and with esport athletes, like every performance environment has the same kind of boogeyman to explain why the, the randomness occurs. And it's just freaking random. Or it's as you, as you said, right, there's situations where you're not alone, right? And the, and the entire market is moving. It's not that somebody saw what's going on. It's that Everybody saw what's going on along with you. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's great perspective. Um, I, out of the other things that he was talking about, Jared, anything specifically you want to touch on? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first one about kind of uh, having a system, knowing your system is, I think, the most important thing. And, and when we look at failing to kind of understand the competitive landscape and the intensity that occurs with it, right, having that kind of density, the strength, of that knowledge that you can just wake up and give a presentation on your system because it's that easy and, and known to you, that provides a buffer against pressure and stress, right? I just got off a conversation with a PGA Tour player who's getting ready for, you know, the season to ramp up. And what were we talking about? Hammering away at his fundamentals 
so that when he goes in that first event, right, he's, he's freed up, right? If you have to be thinking about your trading style in the middle of what you're in the middle of the trading day, like you just have it wrong. Like there's no way that you're not going to feel some degree of anxiety or pressure in situations where you don't need to be right. That, that kind of certainty provides a lot of stability for your mind and automatically creates a buffer uh, against stress. So I, yeah, I think uh, in the number of like, conversations that I've had with traders over the years, the legitimacy of their fear coming from weaknesses in their, not their system, in their comprehension of their system um, is actually quite remarkable. And it occurs at every level, right? I've, I've worked with traders who've been in the game for 15, 20 years. And, and actually there's one, you know, mentioned in the book, um, you know, a guy who's trading oil and natural gas futures. And for him, it came up with, you know, intuition around some big market moves, right? He was going to make, you know, the large bet that happens maybe five or six times a year. And he wasn't scaling up large enough, you know, kind of commensurate with, with the opportunity he saw. And it, it was, it, it, the only reason that was occurring was because he didn't understand what he was seeing that nobody else was seeing to make that opportunity as big as it was. He spent an hour, you know, front and back of a sheet, very clearly articulated, problem solved, right? Then you get traders in the first couple of years, you know, kind of new-ish. And yeah, there's certain instances where it feels like FOMO, right? Prices either kind of diving into your zone or taking off and, and you can feel yourself wanting to get in or get out. But the reality of that feeling is coming because you don't have an exact plan for how you're going to trade a movement like that in a, in, in a particular zone. And, and so one of the traders also mentioned the book, right? Spend the time and actually changed a little bit of his, uh, the game plan going down to a smaller uh, uh, time chart um, and, and was able to see price action in a slightly more granular way. It changed the entire thing for him. So, yeah, I think it's, if, if, Traders are overconfident about something. It's the degree to which they they believe that they're masterful about their system. Yeah, Morad, I love these five things that you put together here today. And I go back to the top, the first two as well, not knowing your process, not trusting yourself. And those two play so much hand in hand. If you don't believe in your homework, if you go into the day with a weekend, we'll call it, where it's like, okay, you know, I like this trend line or I like this look or whatever. And the minute the market starts to move, you you start to lose trust in yourself. You start to lose trust in your preparation, which is why you and I have, I have actually had specific even shows just on preparation to where if you don't believe in what you're doing when the market's not open, if you don't put the time in to, to think about things before the markets are actually happening, how do you expect to have any confidence or have any sort of strong hand in the market when you're trading if you didn't believe in what you were doing when nothing was going on. The United States Marine Corps. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. And that's your trading plan. You have got to be confident in what you've got there. You cannot question or second guess the process. Uh, the, 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 the point I want to make is that it's not a... It's not, a, you know, people can come in or go to Vegas like we will next month and just go and have fun and click away and, you know, figure ah, I've got 15 grand to burn. I'll just throw it to the market, win or lose. But if you want to do this for real, 
the process is not about, hey, I'm getting agitated, so I'm just going to trade some more, fight back or whatever. It really is about needing to see and needing, most importantly, be in the flow. You need to be in the flow of the market. There are periods of time where my traders um, would go four months without a losing day, sometimes a month without a losing trade. Past performance is not indicative of future results, but it's because they're just, they, they, they don't have all this baggage. They're just watching what's going on and betting on what's likely to happen next within parameters that they trust and within a, um, a discipline within themselves that they trust. If it doesn't work, I'll get out type of thing. And as soon as you add these other elements of they and these other points that I brought up, it takes you out of the flow of the market. Uh, and and the, in my opinion, just like it is, I'm sure Jared with his conversation with uh, conversations with with e-gamers and golfers, professional golfers and stuff, doesn't matter what somebody else is doing on the course that day. It, what matters is you, the ball, and the hole. You've got to you've got to just bring that all back. You know, a, a movie that uh, that I really love that makes this point is The Legend of Bagger Vance. You know, just 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 watch, look, look at the field. Just focus on the field. Don't worry about what this Twitter guy said or whatever. Just focus. I think you talked a lot about this, Anthony. Uh, you know, just remove the distractions. It's just you and your plan. It's not you and the market. It's not you and some guy in the pit. It's not you and a fund. It's not you against Citadel or jump trading or whatever, some HFT. It's you and the market. Everybody has an equal opportunity at the information. So as soon as we add these complexities and our processes, not simple, we take ourselves from the flow and flow pace. At the end of the day, learning our process, trusting ourselves and all this good stuff, mapping our emotions and our, and our actions, all of it should, leads to one thing and that is to be in the flow of whatever it is you're doing and to just remain in that flow. That's the money. That's the holy grail. It's just being in the flow of the product you're trading in the moment, being present uh, and executing what's there. So if you find yourself suddenly over trading or angry or frustrated, be aware and understand that you're no longer in the flow and therefore you shouldn't be taking action in a live trading account. It's really important to kind of internalize that, that concept of just, just make it yours, make it yours. Trade, play your game, trade your game, play your ball, you know, play your cards. Don't sit here and th think that hey, I should have made 200 grand this year. I only made 15. You know, that doesn't matter. Just be in the game. No, exactly. So well said. Now, traders, this show is about you guys. You know, Morad and Jared and myself, we're here to help you guys. Put some questions. I've been seeing a, a bunch of questions and comments in there about what we're discussing. What do you want to ask us? You've got us here. Um, I'm going to address several of the questions that we have right now. I want to hear from you guys, though. I want to hear more questions and comments about it because in about 30 seconds, Morad, Jared, and myself are going to start taking your questions. So be sure to put them in the comment section, and then uh, we'll start uh, seeing what you guys have to say about this. Back in 30 seconds. Replace your exchange with TradeStation Crypto. Dealing with multiple exchanges is complicated, and it takes time, except with TradeStation Crypto. Because we are not an exchange, we are a broker. You have access to multiple pools of liquidity, 
all in one platform, in one account, one way. Trade crypto your way. Plus, earn interest on your eligible cryptocurrencies. Get started in one click. Trade the global markets with trading technologies. TT is the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. Learn more at tradingtechnologies.com. All right, first question was from Jack Davison. He put this in a while ago. Jack, I didn't forget about you, my friend. Thank you for putting this question in. And he asks, how do you get over the fear of trading when you have a very small account of $2,000 and cannot afford to lose much? Obviously, we all know that you have to start somewhere and not everybody is going to have the funds that they would like to have um, to be able to trade futures. Um, but I think that no matter how much you start with, it all comes down to you know being able to get started and get going. So I think this is a great question uh, here from Jack. I mean, we'll just start with Morad and then we'll go over, or we'll go to you, Jared. So $2,000 um, can go a long way uh, with a micro contract. It's the equivalent of $20,000. You know, we used to start, I used to start prop traders by uh, depositing 25,000, trading the full size contracts, you know? So $2,000 is not a bad starting point. Um, the thing is though, don't trade that money uh, until you've got a plan together. So devise a process, uh, you know, I would, I would invite you to do the trade right program at Convergent or something, just take a month's membership and just go through there. It really opens your eyes to what all the pieces you need to have. A lot of traders don't know all that needs to get into, go into having a, a trading plan. So have that. Prove it to yourself through a, a SIM account or whatever, and then give yourself a portion of that money, three, $400, to get 20 to 30 trades to prove that edge out in life. Once you burn through that money, and you will, stop, figure out, you know, document what it is, go back, step back, figure out what you need to work on and focus on and hammer it. It's like a golfer who's got something wrong with their swing. You don't want to be practicing that during a tour. You want to be going out to the driving range and swing and, and hammering on it until you perfect it. So $2,000 in my opinion is sufficient. Just keep it to micro contracts and it'll get you a, a quite a ways in my opinion. I think the thing that I would look at is maybe, uh, I mean, obviously um, completely agree with everything Murad's saying is maybe to look at outside of trading a little bit, you know, newer traders tend to bring personal issues into trading in ways that they're not always aware of. And so when we look at like your attachment to that money, if you were to lose it, what else are you losing? Right? Sometimes the money is representative of more than just the actual dollar value of it. You know, so it could be losing confidence, could be losing hope in your future, viability for your goals, things like that. So it's important that you are honest and aware of what you're putting on the line here, because it's not just about the 2K. So, you know, you start to looking at, all right, well, if it's a fear of failure, if it's a fear of making mistakes, it's a fear of losing face with family, losing respect of yourself. I mean, any of those things, be very clear about that. Because even if you don't solve those issues, you will give yourself the ability to kind of draw a line in the sand so that when you are actually engaged in trading activities, whether that's studying and learning, 
or actually actively trading, you can make it, e it's a lot easier for you to put that aside. I think the biggest problem that traders have, whether it's the personal stuff or just the sort of performance-based issues that create biases for yourself in the market is being unaware of them, right? Because if you're not aware of it, it's like you're kind of underwater in a sense. I don't mean underwater in a, in a monetary sense. I mean, underwater in a sense that you, you just can't, you don't have any room to breathe, right? You want to get your head above above that that sort of surface so you can see what's around and, and have the ability to kind of self-reflect and be in more control. So yeah, being honest with yourself about what you're attached to, I think is a way to break that apart a little bit more. Love both answers. And I look at it like this and just piggybacking off of what both of them said, we all started with small accounts. And I think when you look at, it didn't matter how much I started with, I should say this. I started with $25,000 in my account. I blew it. If I would have started with 250,000, I believe I would have blown it in the same manner. So I think that if you look at the start of your account as an educational contribution <laughs> or whatever you want to think about it as, and like you said, I, I play these mental games with myself all the time. Like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, 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 and it, it helps me be focused in the way I look at it. And the way that Morit and Jared mm -hmm. talked about this is, is that if that $2,000 account, you're worried about just go in there and start learning following your process, go over the five things that Mora had talked about, go through the stuff at Convergent, reading Jared's books, and just go in there and do what you're supposed to do and let the outcome be what it's going to be. And to me, I think that will, will help you deal with, with the fear of it. I mean, it doesn't, if you get 2 million, I think when I started with, who knows, but I, you know, it's just one of those things. So great question. I think it probably answered a lot of other questions. I want to go to Daniel because he sent this question earlier as well. How do you manage to not be overexcited when you win or sad and angry when you lose? How do you manage it in real live trading? Do you have a piece of advice or an example? We'll go same order, more it. Uh, it is okay for you to get overexcited to win. Own it. It's okay. It's normal. It is okay to get frustrated, angry, disappointed, hopeless when you're losing. It is okay just understand that having that response um having that response is is part of the process you will have this response by the way throughout your career everybody has rough patches i've had a rough patch or two or three every year since so there's i'm still having this process it's it just over time you give it less and less significance but really you go back to get go back to your process go back to your rules go back to being self-aware look at your attachment to losing and to money the same five points i talked about you can keep going back and and despite the blow up you had and so on hopefully it didn't take you out of the game entirely go back and recognize that that's just another indication that there's more to work on you've got to be having these things in order to keep climbing it's just it's just how we broaden our experience. How do you gain experience by not without making mistakes exactly. and screwing things up? It's just it's just a cost of gaining experience. So don't beat yourself. Be forgiving to yourself. Love yourself and come back and know that you've got to do better and go and do better. Yeah, I mean, it's like a college degree, right? I mean, you're you're paying for education. So, I mean, I think in in my mind to build on uh, what Morad's saying, the overexcitement, the sadness, the anger, fear regardless of the emotion, we can look at it from a couple of different lenses, right? The most basic lens is, is just a 
a reaction to the purity of you, you interacting with the market, right? And, and the fear or the anger is, is just that. And it can help you to kind of navigate and orient yourself to what's going to come next. The next layer of that is you bringing some performance flaw, bias, illusion into the market or into what's happening with a particular trade and, and then making projections about that in, into the future that are not necessarily real. And so it's those emotions become signals for those underlying flaws. And that's really what my system is all about, is about kind of peeling back the layers to say, okay, I'm getting overexcited. Well, why is that? Right. And we go through a process I call a mental hand history. And, and the second question is really key and because it, it changes the problem solving for a lot of people. Why does it make sense that you become overexcited in that spot? Right. And if it is a legitimate reaction because it's new and you you made a lot of money and it's it's cool. Right. But if that emotion is uncontrolled and then leads to further problems, right, like, you know, maybe getting a little bit too loose with your risk parameters and putting on. Uh, too much in, a, in, in the next trades or several trades, and then you lose it back. It's like nothing more frustrating than that. Then it's clearly a problem to feel that way. And so we look not at the what, why does it make sense that you're feeling overexcited? It's why, why does it make sense that you're feeling overexcited in an uncontrolled way, right? There is a legitimate reason for that. And if you can identify what that reason is, right? Sometimes it can be the projection of, of the future, right? Because you made this, this trade was so big, it means that now uh, the next, the, this month is going to be is going to be huge or the next trade is going to be huge whatever you think is coming is what i call a shitty psychic okay right where you get into this belief that you think you can predict the future and you can't and so that at that at the next step um you know what does it make sense right is flawed and and, and it's that flaw that we're looking to find in any of these emotions and that is how you are able to manage it because you can then directly counteract that flaw in real time by talking yourself through it reminding yourself, I can't predict the future, right? I don't know what's going to come next. I can feel happy about what just happened. I can feel happy that perhaps it's proof that my edge is actually starting to play out here and thumbs up, pat on the back. All right. What does that mean for the next one? Nothing, right? Other than, you know, a bit of optimism, but let's not get ahead of ourselves and you can kind of get yourself more grounded. So, you know, the more you can kind of understand the flaws that are behind the excessive emotions that are, are we're not able to control, that, that's how you can really establish control and management. That's, to me, the, the bridging of the gap in the system we talked about from the survey, right? And, and I, I, my response to the survey was to create a kind of detailed um, uh, chart laying out my system in graphical form. So, you know, that can be downloaded from my website. But what we're talking about right now is that critical second step. So you've identified step one, right? You've, been, you've become aware of your emotions. But that second critical step is understanding the root flaws of the excessive emotions that you're experiencing. Um, if you don't get to that, it's kind of like patchwork. It's like band-aiding problems. And that's not really the answer that you want for this type of, uh, of an emotional reaction. Daniel, I'm going to talk to you as someone who's had anxiety. I had a heart attack at 36. I was somebody who was overexcited about winning after making a bunch of money, blew a bunch of money. Gave back so much money, it was ridiculous. Um, then I became sad, angry, all sorts of different things happen. And you get to the point where you talk about fear. I worked so hard to get the things I wanted. And then along the way, the overexcitement, the sadness, the angriness almost destroyed my body to where I wasn't even able to enjoy it. And I look back at my career and I say to myself, 
it, it's a job. It, it's 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 my passion. I want to do this. And my, my when I'm in the heat of the moment, I look at things now, and because I've been through that, I'm fearful of going back to anxiety, heart attack, um, being overexcited when I went to, to blowing a bunch of money trading or spending it on things. And this is where I one of the things that Morin has really helped me as a friend, and just by following him over the years, breath, being present. He said it already today. Just literally being okay with with what was happening and, and trusting in my preparation and just calming myself down. And and I think until you go through the overexcited, the sad and the angry, and you look back at it and you realize how it's it's potentially hurt you or how it's impacted you, it's hard to get away from that. And Morad and Jared both have said, you can't get to the point where you, you're not that until you've gone through that. So I look at it as, for me, you'll go through it, but learn to control, I think, breath. And those are the types of things that have helped me the most. Um, but that, that's a great question. Love that question. Let's go to S. Uh, Sunkite. Do the panelists agree that in order to, to trade from a carefree state of mind or without fear, as Mark Douglas said, one has to cult cultivate an edge based on a sample of 20 to 25 trades it's just the same order Morad. so a couple things that i'd like to kind of maybe challenge your question a little bit here um i don't trade from a carefree state of mind i care about what's happening i care about my plan i care about the outcome i care about everything what i do try to um instill is a detached which is different i know that i can't control you know so i could be in the best trade ever and then all of a sudden you know some some huge player comes in and just dumps against my position there's nothing i, I can't do anything about that so i'm detached i'm detached from the outcome because i cannot predict it it is random uh, and I, I can't do anything about it. All I can do is control the downside, control my risk. The second part, so don't trade from a carefree state because you might, a lot of people might mistake that with, ah, I don't need risk limits. I'm carefree. I'm just going to do whatever and just kind of play it by the gut. I'm good with the gut stuff. Well, your gut doesn't trade very well in general. But um, the second part is you do have to, the, uh, 20 to 25 trades is not a high confidence, statistically speaking, is not a high confidence sample size, in my opinion. Really, a high confidence sample size is like, uh, statistically speaking, is like 172 or something like that. But what you can do is chunk your edge. And so you can create a plan, test it, walk forward, test it, execute it properly. And you need a sample between 30 and 50. That's when you start to really start to see the results approaching what your true edge is. Then go back and look at your results. Documenting is so important. Go back, look at your results and see what areas are weak, what trades are weak in this particular environment wipe those out, you know, address those, then come back for another 30 to 50 samples. And what happens over time is, is mind blowing in where you are when you start this process to where you are once you've done say 100 samples, you know, three, four iterations, you'll be shocked at how much you learn by just tracking and, 
and and documenting that whole process. Look, I want to give you a statistic, and I know I'm being lengthy here. A random coin toss with a one-to-one profit-to-risk ratio. Uh, you know, if I took and randomly coin uh, tossed a coin for heads for long, uh, tails for short, and entered it in the market with a bracket order that is equal, you know, 10 ticks this way, 10 ticks the other way, almost inevitably over thousands of um, tosses, uh, you get about a 32 to 30% win rate, 32 to 35% win rate. From a brokerage point of view, and having been in the brokerage business now for almost 10 years, most traders are in the 30 to 35% win rate, <laughs> which describes, I mean, that's, I can substantiate this. Uh, it describes how random people are with their trading plan. You're no better than a coin toss. So this process of iteration is where you become professional and you need to just keep statistics and probabilities in mind when you're trading. Sorry about the long answer. I knew you would nail the second part of that answer uh, perfectly. In the first part of your answer, I agree with entirely. I think in my experience, people who tend to look for a sort of carefree mentality, you, you've maybe seen it a lot with people who are maybe overly focused on process. Uh, it becomes like an antidote uh, to the inherent fear, pressure, anger, emotional volatility that they experience. And and to me, that's not how you want to be dealing with those emotions. We don't want to band-aid them. We don't want to put them aside. We don't want to detach from them. We want to fully embrace them. And in order to do that, you have to have a an honest look at yourself, which is you care. You wouldn't be doing it if you didn't. So yeah, I think a carefree mentality is is an attempt to manage emotions when it's actually just kind of hiding them and putting them in the background. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't answer those questions any better than those guys. I want to move on to the final question of the day as we are near the end here. And we're actually going to go stay with you, Jared. Um, this one is directed to you. Um, and Morad and I will talk about it as well. So Jim asks, Jared, you mentioned the frontal cortex gets red when overcome with fear. Morad talks about comfortable with money. I think he meant money, not monkey on there, right? <laughs> about right, how it's, a, it's the monkey, the, 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 the chimp within us, that primal okay. need to fling crap at the wall. That's what they're referring Got to. Got it. Okay. Talk about um, how to um, calm, sit next to fear monkey that blocks from doing right. Yeah. So this, this question gets to the crux of, I think, two things that everybody needs to burn into their brain, right? So yes, the frontal cortex has the power to shut down higher brain function. Uh, sorry, sorry, the other way around. The emotional system has the power to shut down higher brain function, right? The frontal cortex is your attempt to control your, is where your attempt to control your emotions lives. So the part of the brain responsible for controlling emotion can be shut down by your emotions. I mean, if you were an engineer, you couldn't design a system, you know, uh, that was kind of more punitive towards the users of that system uh, than that. So we cannot change those two functional fundamental realities, but we can work around it. And the way to work around it is to go through the process that more as alluded to before of, of mapping your emotions, right? This is something that I'd talk about in detail in, in the, the mental game of trading. You have to go through and understand the signals and signs of your emotions as they're rising before they reach the point where your emotional system uh, shuts off your ability to control your emotions. Because if you can attack them when they're small, you have the mental 
actual cortical space to be able to do that. If you wait until it's too long, too, too late, it's a steamroller. You're just going to get run over by them. So the mapping process is the thing that gives you a chance uh, to be able to do that successfully. Um, there are instances where people have what I call like accumulated emotion where seemingly you're very calm and then just bam, like something just spikes and, and rapidly overwhelms you. If that is happening, then the mapping is not going to work because it's sort of zero to 60 in half a second. You have to do more work kind of away from trading to better understand what is causing uh, those large spikes uh, in emotional volatility because that's your only chance of being able to um, chip away at it so it gets down to a manageable level. More, Ed? Um, what Jared said. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you what, guys. First of all, to all of you out there tuning in today, you guys sent us a ton of great questions. Uh, we're out of time for today. So if we didn't get to your questions, please put them in the comments down below. These two gentlemen give so much of their time to help others. They've helped me tremendously. And I can't thank you both enough uh, for coming in and chatting with me today. I look forward to our chat in Vegas on February 26th, everybody. So if you're going to be in Vegas, come join us. We'd love to meet you guys in person. Uh, quickly, Morad, website to go to, uh, Twitter handle? Uh, the website to go to for Convergent Trading is convergentrading.com. If you do join, you know you can take a month or whatever. Uh, I strongly encourage you to do the trade right program. Very important in putting things together. Lots I've got thousands. It feels like thousands of uh, webinars of content. A lot of what Jared talks about, he detailed within Convergent as a guest. He'll be with us on the twentieth. Please join us there on Twitter. You can find me at Futures Trader Seventy One. Jared. Uh, you can find me at jaredtendler.com. Um, obviously the, my book is the mental game of trading, um, pretty much wherever books are sold or wherever you buy books, you can get it. Um, but make sure you go to, um, the worksheet section on my website. Um, you know, the book is not going to give you all the answers. It might give you some perspective and tools that you can use, but you got to put the work in, uh, because the mental game is like learning a, a skill, like anything else, like learning how to be a good trader, there are skills and tools that you need to cultivate and utilize. And so these worksheets kind of helped you to make the most of uh, the book itself. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to say to, to you, to you both, um, it's a pleasure to be talking with you. I think the, the spirit with which you bring uh, to wanting to help others is, is remarkable. And I'm happy to be kind of part of uh, what we're doing here. And um, yeah, it's just kind of exciting times for me and uh, you know, excited to meet you both in person in, uh, in a little bit of over, over a month here. Oh appreciate yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, and no, I appreciate it, man, my man. I, and that's why I said, I remember when we were talking, I said, you're one of the only books, one of the few not that I've read over the last few years that I felt has really given me actionable, impactful things. And what I'm, uh, what I'm doing as, as a trader has been doing this for a long time, more than myself. And I want to say to everybody out there, everybody's always asking me, Anthony, where can I go to uh, learn more about becoming a better trader? Do you have any books or resources? You're looking at two of the best right there. And these guys will give you way more than is ever asked of them. And that's that's why we're, we're such good friends. And I really just enjoy both of them so much. Like I said, going to be in Vegas on the 26th. Uh, hopefully we could see some of you guys there. If you guys enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to share it on social media. Give us the likes, the thumbs up on YouTube. If you enjoyed it, don't forget uh, to subscribe. So you never miss a live stream of the futures radio show podcast. This will be available 
afterwards. It's not just for the live stream. It will be available on YouTube and everywhere where all of my audio stuff is. And to learn more about everything I'm doing here with FuturesRadioShow.com, go to Anthony Crudelli. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Next week is Anne-Marie Band. So don't forget to tune in to Anne-Marie. Uh, that's a wrap for us this week. Thanks, everybody. See Thank ya. you. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Future's radio show is produced by Crudelli Productions.